We're going to say two of the kinas that were composed by Tzadikim for the Shoya, for the Holocaust. The kina from Rabbi Schwab, and from the Baba Rabbi Skusigalainu. Those who have been with the, with the shul for, for a long time know that really every single Josh and every single Shir and every, that I've given over the years is really about these kinas. And and I find it very, very hard on Tishabov to talk about, about these kinas that touch so much upon my generation, our generation. So every year I try, over the course of the year, if I see something that that strikes me as a strong way of remembering, and of and of begging Hashem is Baruch to to end the godless and the suffering. So one of my one of my students gave her a book to read, and she enjoyed it and she gave it to me. It's the memoirs of a of a boy that was not from a from home, from a traditional a very traditional home. Were they talking about 65 years ago, something like that? It was a home here in New York. And this person, child went on, went to yeshiva, and and uh, became a very influential rabbi. started the whole yeshiva over there. And there were many, many things in the book that reminded me of those years. There were a lot of things I didn't like about the book, but mostly I enjoyed it. He describes when he was 12 years old, and he was very, very interested in Yiddish guy. As I said, his parents were his parents. I think might have been American, or they were born in, in Europe, but from a long time before, they were very Americanized. But there was Yiddish. They spoke Yiddish in the house because the grandparents were there, and he, he understood Yiddish. And he was looking for religious experiences that he wasn't getting in his house, in his neighborhood. So, I'm going to read to you, like a, it's like a page and a half, but, but listen. Not everything that I assume makes a Roshim on me makes a Roshim on you. But there's nothing else I can do except to try. He writes here, it was the Shabbos of Parshish Kisavo. It was towards the end of the summer of 1952. I had known that the Rebbe of Sons Klosenberg had taken over the Beth Moses Hospital. I think that's in the Bronx. It was in the Bronx. I'm not sure. Had taken over the Beth Moses Hospital, the place where I was born. We had built a very large base medrash 
as well as a printing press to teach his disciples a trade. And I wanted to pray with the Hasidim that Shabbos morning. So this very modern boy, he was even 100%, at maybe at this point he was already Shabbos Shabbos. So he wanted to go Davin, he heard about the Klosenberger Rebbe, who had come a few years ago after the war. And he wanted to go Davin and to see what it was like Davin with the Hasidim. I also wanted to wear my new bar mitzvah suit, which had very recently arrived from the tailor. I had to conduct a long, hard negotiation with my mother, who was reluctant for me to take such a long walk alone in what was not a very wholesome neighborhood. And also, adamantly, she was also adamantly opposed to my wearing the bar mitzvah suit close to a year before my bar mitzvah. So at length, my mother relented. But not until I promised not to get into any altercations with the guys who might start up along the way. And not to partake of any kiddush if there was one. I was afraid get the, he'd get the suit dirty. I think now they're disposable. When I arrived at the Bismedrish, so this, this, this 12-year-old kid... Uh, he heard about this and he walked He walked all the way, it was far and he came to the base madras of the Klosenberger Rebbe I was amazed by the sea of black and white swaying figures that greeted my eyes all newly immigrant holocaust survivors it was said about the Rebbe that although his wife and 13 children had been murdered he had not sat shiv with any of them he taught that those still alive must be saved with exit visas before one could be allowed the luxury of mourning for the dead. The Rebbe himself was among the last to leave Europe, insisting that the captain does not leave the sinking ship before its passengers. Not only that, I'm sure many of you know, that while he was in DP camp, he, came, he, came, he went to America, he went to England, he went to America to raise money and to get Arbaminim and to get clothing and to... And he went back to the DP camp. I took a seat directly behind the Rebbe. It must have been funny for the Chassim. They saw this kid walk in and they, and they let him sit near the Rebbe. Who, who stood at his lectern, at his stander, facing Mizrach and the Aron Kaidish and the Holy Ark, with his back to the congregation. The davening, the prayer was the most intense I had ever experienced, with no talking whatsoever, and chance individuals even bursting out in tears during varying parts of the service, apparently in response to a sudden association with a painful memory. Then the Torah reader began to chant the weekly portion. It's Kisava. So what's in Pasha Kisava? The Torchicha. When he came to the passage known as the Torchicha, the curses that would befall the Jews. She began to read, in accordance with the time-honored custom, in a whisper, and very quickly. That's the minic. He's supposed to read it, the, Balk- the Balkari is supposed to read the Taicha in a whisper, quietly, and very quickly. The sound suddenly came from the place of the Rebbe. He said only one word, Hecher. What does that mean? Louder. The Balkari immediately stopped reading 
and seemed to hesitate for a few moments. I could almost hear him pondering. Did the Rebbe actually say Hecher louder? Would the Rebbe go against the custom of all Israel and all congregations to chant the curses rapidly and in a barely audible voice? The reader apparently decided that he had been mistaken in what he had thought the Rebbe had said and continued reading in a whisper. The Rebbe turned around to face the congregation, banged on the stander, his eyes blazing. I said louder, he shouted. Let the master of the universe hear. We have nothing to be afraid of. We have already received all of these curses and more. Let the one above hear. And let him understand that the time has come to send the blessings. I was trembling. He, the kid says, I was trembling. My body was bathed in sweat. Many people around me were sobbing. Try to imagine that. They'll be saying, Hacha. See, you don't have to whisper the clawless. You don't have to whisper anymore the Taycha. What's there to whisper? It's an Ayn horror that it shouldn't happen. It already happened. He said, It already happened and much more happened. And he said, Hecha. The Rebbe says, Hecha, let the Baishullah hear. I don't, we have nothing to hide. There's nothing to be afraid of. It's already all happened. All of the kinas that we just read. Hecha and Hecha and Hecha. It all happened already. And more. Because what, what happened in the kinas that we're going to say now, what happened in, in the Holocaust was, were things that that the, that, uh, that the Kalir couldn't have imagined, that the, that the Balakinas couldn't have ever imagined. And they saw, with all that they saw, they couldn't have imagined. Would you remember that the Piazesna wrote in one of the Torahs that at the beginning of Eishkardis, in the earlier years, he said that really the, the, what we're going through is a continuation of what happened. We had, we had Khurban in the past, and this is, this is no different from things that we had in the past, but then later on, when it, was cl- when it was close to the end, then the Pizestna said, it's in a note on the bottom of the page where the Rebbe said that, that I was wrong, what we're going through now, nothing has ever been like this. And there was never, not the first base of Mikdash, not the second base of Mikdash, there was never anything like this. Like the Kinnis we're going to read now. the Rebbe turned around and he said, Hecher, louder. Search for their blood. Remember each driven leaf, each life wiped out in the Holocaust, six million struck dead by lightning in the storm that fell fully one-third of the precious stock from the vineyard so dearly beloved by you. Goyal Hadam. Avenger of innocent blood, erase not the tale of their pain from the record that has inscribed how many people are trying to erase the story of their pain. All over the world they're trying to erase the story of their pain. And even Jewish people, even Jews, young Jews don't understand this or don't feel this anymore. (laughs) 
Remember each moan, each heart-rending scream as they went to the slaughter. Rivers of blood, tear-drenched faces, let them not be forgotten. The shrieks, the groans, the piercing cries as wild dogs tore into soft flesh. Remember them, count them, gather them up in their bond until the day of your nekama for the shame of the, the, shame of the downtrodden. In that book that I'm reading by by, by Naftali Lau, it's a very big book. Yeah, I didn't get to the second part yet because it's not just the beginning of the second part. It's all about later on in Israel. But the first part, because a lot of things that he remembered that you saw that the Rabbi Lau doesn't remember. He's older. So there are things, Mistama, you could see that Rabbi Lau spoke to his brother. And that's how he wrote the, a lot of the things. So he spoke to Naftali. Naftali saved his life. You have to read this. It's called Balaam's prophecy. Balaam's prophecy. You know, he describes there that they that the worst thing when they were called for lineup. You know, to go out just trying to fall asleep a little bit after the whole day of work, and in the middle of the night they was coming there screaming with hoses. This in Buchenwald, they came there with hoses and they start. Spritzing them. It was freezing, freezing. He said that we were, it became ice on us, the water. And they go out for the, the roll call. He said they had to stand there for two, three hours. And he says that, that you heard krechzing because so many of them had to go to the bathroom. And if the German, if you would make, you'll excuse me for talking that way, but if you would go to the bathroom, if you would make, it was, it was snow all over. They were standing in snow. And the, and the Germans in Machshimon would see that you made it, that you'd come there and they would check. They went to look at the scene. If it was yellow over there, then they would beat the person to death. And he says they were crafting, oi, oi, not to, not to go to the bathroom. He said that there was, and there was one that was next to him. And it and came out. And the Germans went there and they set the dog on him. And what they did over there to him. So the Rebbe says, you don't have to whisper such things. Such things are not found in the Teichacha. Hacha! The Torah reader, the Balkare, continued to chant the curses loudly. So the Balkare listened to what the Rebbe yet, and he started to read the Teichacha loud. Loudly and loudly and distinctly, distinctively in a much slower cadence. All these Jews of the Shavis have played to their crying. At the end of the Musaf, after Aleinu, the Rebbe once again turned to the congregation. But this time with his eyes conveying deep love, my entire Shrestrum and reader, my beloved sisters and brothers, the blessings will come, but not from America. The master of the universe has promised the blessings and that they'll come after the curses, but they will only come from Israel. Let us pack our bags for the last time. Our community is leaving. We're setting out for Israel. And indeed, it was a short time after that Shabbos that the Kozenberg Rebbe led his flock to settle in Atanya, where he founded Kiyat Sans. The Rebbe established the large of his as well as the Lanyado Hospital, 
and the Tanya is still a major enclave for Kozenberg Chassidim. He named this chapter my first lesson in Zionism. So what's that to say? It's not Hakin, it's not Hatishabov. It's already going to be Chatzai soon, things start to wind down. And we'll say the, we'll say the Kina of Shwab, the Baba, and then all about can be Chatzai. To sit on a chair, start to schmooze a little bit, everybody. Whoever's able to take a nap, look at the watch. Go to hear a shir, go to, to, to learn, but you're allowed to learn. And then we close keenness. And we don't put them away like they used to when it was booklets and Jews used to put the keenness, they used to throw them away someplace in Tegnesia. Our keenness cost a lot of money, we don't put them in the fire, we don't put them in Gnesia. We save them for next Tishabov. What's that to daven for at the end of Kinnis? I told you at Shabbos in my parish last week in the mountains they were staying in a hotel and we went, we, we went to visit them I told them I'd be there told me to be there at 4.30. I always tell them much later. I was picking him up to take him to, to see me and the kids in a different bungalow. I was picking him up from the hotel. I told him to be there around 4.30. So I knew he'd be there earlier. But I didn't want them to wait. And we're pulling up the car. I would never say this if I thought my father would hear this tape. But pulling up the car and... Of course, it was only 5 after 4, I said, we're coming for 30. My parents were sitting on a bench, it was like 95 degrees out. They were sitting on a bench. And I turned to my wife and I said, that's my father. He looks so old and it was so Because <laughs> whenever we're together, he always tries to be tall. He didn't expect us then. <clears throat> and all the years and all the all the years and all the beatings showing on him. <clears throat> so how many more keenness can we go through? How many people are forgetting? Hashem has to hear 
We have to scream Hachra and Hachra, Hachra, Hachra. That there should be survivors who be zarchet to greet Mashiach. It shouldn't Khalil be such a thing. It can't be that Hashem would do such a thing. My father said it used to be when it was after the Shuas time, the Hungarians they say they say Kaddish saw that by Shuas that time because they know that that's approximately when they were taken to the guest chambers the parents so they all say so they all say Kaddish so my father said to me there was no problem davening for the Omer this, yonte, this, uh, this day it wasn't Yontif it was before Shuas he said there was no problem. He said I'm the only one left in shul that the only one left in shul that still gets the arm. Used to be that they make ten different minyanim. No. The goyel hadam. I should remember. The son Kodshim. As we ask in the last line, as Rav Shrab wrote at the end of the Kina, Son Kodshim Yimna, not the end, but before the end, but Son Kodshim Yimna, Shishim Laisich, but that their fire shouldn't be extinguished. Chunecha, how you Mekadshay Shemecha? Hashem, you tested those people. They were tested and they passed your test. These are the Jews who passed your test. There can't be any greater test, and they passed the test. Mikol Shema Yisrael, the Mekadosh Hashem. Mosu Nefesh Lokel, they gave up their lives to you. Of Animam and Onu, the Shor Shiras Bitochen, they went singing Animam. So me, my Lord, sorry, Yisrael. I should die to Mikhaev Nitrefis. So we have to say Hach. We have to say loud. And I ask Hashem, Kel Chai Mirachem. Merciful God, living God. Ados Chanachem. Ashelacham Ha'id Nechsefis or Chadish Tazriach. Because we're longing, that's all we're longing for. That the new light will shine. The rays of new height, of new glory. The Amis will be, will be able to be as a people, we're so old and bent over, that we'll be able to stand up again tall and straight. Everybody stand up.